Daniel, we're here. We are. Hello. How are you? Good. Only two of us today. Yeah, Alex can't make it, and I think he said he won't be around Sunday either, which is tough. I think there's a Grand Prix this weekend, too, so schedules might be a bit icky. It's okay. We understand. He's a top man top with man. the Varsity Blues. Company man, top man. I uh, love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, he's gone full UFT with us, and I just I don't know how to feel about it, Daniel. It feels like he's betrayed the cause. The cause. <laughs> but I was at UFT yeah, before no, we yeah, the exactly. podcast. Yeah, yeah. You also you went there, so it's even just I don't know. I don't know if I can keep doing the show with you guys. This is I feel betrayed. I know we saw those uh Alex if you're listening to this we saw those highlights you were posting those uh yeah those varsity blues highlights there weren't any leaf highlights in those Instagram you, stories you traitor how dare you uh, <laughs> okay hockey there's a lot going on there's a there's a good bit of stuff going around the league the season's in full swing uh we'll talk about this is what we're going to talk about today Habs wise the Detroit game the Slavkovsky hit uh, Josh Anderson's also suspended that's unfortunate uh, the Vegas game for the Leafs. Matt Murray might be back soon. Uh, Samsonov injury stuff coming out. Uh, beside that, uh, Jim Rutherford keeps thinking out loud. Uh, a freak injury with Evander Kane at Edmonton. A quick fantasy check-in to see how things are going. Chris Neal's number is getting retired by the Sens. Um, Ovi versus Sid tonight. Fun fact, we'll get to that a little later. And Ryan Reynolds went to a Sens game last night. Got a standing out and they blew it. Uh, but to first start, Daniel, I think we got to do the most important story and story really of the week. I believe the initial announcement was Friday. And then on Monday, I believe it was Monday, the Bruins announced that they were parting ways with Mitchell Miller. Um, now, first things first, a lot has sort of come out of this. Recently, his agent, Eustace Kidd, actually did an interview on the Cam and Stick podcast. I've actually listened to a good bit of it. Um, he also, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell Miller, uh, is still technically a Bruin. Actually, we can get into the details of that in a second because it's might be legally. Yeah. Um, something about Logan Mayu, I want to mention a little later because there were suddenly some details about him that came out of Bill Daly today. Um, first off though, something really groundbreaking actually came out today from all of this. And I think I want to go to it first because it's absolutely a statement from Isaiah Mayer Carruthers. Um, and I believe this was via the HDA, which was very cool to see. Uh, we forgot to mention this last episode. Apparently, Joel Ward of the HDA just called Isaiah's mom. Just called her. More than the Bruins did, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so I'm going to read a statement. Uh, this Again, this is from the HDA, the Hockey Diversity Alliance's Twitter account, so you can find it. I remember I, I went to lunch at work. and like, oh, oh, so this has happened. The statement below is in Isaiah's own words. Some passages have been lately edited for brevity and clarity. I am Isaiah Mayer Carruthers. I would like to make a statement. I have been bullied since I was in first grade. There were not many black kids in my school. I was called Brownie and the N-word. Kids said my black mom and dad didn't love me and that's why I had white parents. Mitchell, obviously referring to Mitchell, Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Miller, used to ask me to sit with him on the bus, and then he and his friends would punch me in the head. This happened my whole time in school. When I went to junior high, Mitchell would spit in my face and call me the N-word. I stopped telling because they called me a snitch, and I would get made fun of. I had to say I was his N-word. To sit at his table, and he made me clean the whole table. He threw food in my face. I was called N-word every day. The office would tell me to stay away from him because he wasn't my friend. Once he got expelled from school, his friend started bullying me. He pretended to be my friend and made me do things I didn't want to do. In junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thought he was cool, but I don't see how someone can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. Middle of October, I was being texted constantly every day till I answered a Snapchat and IG message from Mitchell Miller. He asked me why I always have my parents doing stuff for me and why I can't speak for myself. I told him I don't care what my parents say, I'm old enough to speak for myself. He told me he was sorry and that the apology didn't involve hockey. He told me he was doing stuff in the community and helping the youth and wanted to be my friend. I told him, quote, that's all cool, but where is the proof, though? He didn't give me any proof, obviously. All the lies I have been told from him for so many years, I don't believe what Mitchell told me. He kept asking me to be his friend and that he had changed over the years from what he did. I told him, I'm not going to be your friend after all you did to me. 
I am now getting messages on social media from people calling me a slow R word. Um, another, a, a few other things I can't say. The stupid N word saying that I need help. Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I just wanted to tell everyone when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. Um, this is obviously important because we have not heard from Isaiah this entire time. Going back to when he was drafted from the Coyotes, it's all been from his mom. Um, now, it's important that we mention the thing of friends. Eustace King, Mitchell Miller's agent, um, who we read that statement, I believe, at the end of last show and some stuff came out since then. So Linda, that's a bit different. Uh, and in that, the Cam and Stick podcast had mentioned that Miller and Isaiah have a relationship now. Um, the whole interview, honestly, actually is actually quite awkward to listen to. Um, and Isaiah is basically sort of, I think, called them on this. Um, we're not, I haven't even mentioned the fact that Cam Neely in that apologized to Isaiah, but as of later the day that he was quote unquote released Mitchell Miller, um, Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic did an, an, an interview with, uh, with Joni, Isaiah's mother, and they still haven't called her. I think since then he they did have a conversation. But anyway, um, just sort of giving what catching everyone up as to what's happened here. Um, go on, Isaiah's, yeah. Isaiah's statement, first and foremost. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what to say, Daniel. Our, our whole thing on this podcast is to come here and and break down. And we're very we're a reactionary podcast. We react to the news and all that. Um, and you know, I always preach about perspective is so important. Um, I can't begin to put myself in Isaiah's shoes and all that. Hearing that statement, hearing him for the first time in all of this, um, I I just you know what stood out to me a lot in that that statement, Daniel, how he said Mitchell asked, "Why does everything go through your mom?" That yeah, felt like that's... a bit of a dig, as in yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? That felt like Mitchell, like, ah, why are you always getting your mom? Like, like I just didn't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that Mitchell would would say that to him. I mean, a counterpoint too is a lot of the journalists have been pointing out Mitchell Miller's dad. He's been retweeting a bunch of stuff about Mitchell Miller, about he's been commenting. Yep, It's the same thing. Parents are involved. Well, it, it seems to be like at every turn, again, Apple doesn't fall from, from the tree. It feels like there's not accountability for Mitchell's side of the family. He's conveniently forgetting that they are like, like, what did you expect her to do? Like, yeah, like of some. course, he's going to stand up for her child. As you pointed out, like his family is standing up for him. Um, First off, I want to give shout outs to the HDA um, yeah. and getting that. Again, they did more than the Bruins have. In how many days of getting this sorted? As um, it's Wednesday, and he was released Monday. Yeah, Mitchell Miller, which is um, which is ridiculous. It's funny that the it's not. I shouldn't. I shouldn't say funny. Excuse me. It's a tad ridiculous that the Bruins put out that statement and the apology before contacting the family. Too that mm -hmm. again, as of an hour after they released Mitchell, again hadn't heard from them. And we had that from Flutoshans all. Like that's sort of what really stands out. I, I I don't know how and I was listening to Jeff Merrick and uh Jeff Merrick show and bits with Elliot Friedman uh from Tuesday. And and Elliot sort of echoed the Eustace King stuff. And Elliot Friedman, I think, has been getting a lot of heat lately. Yeah. I don't know if you've been seeing it. Um but like it feels like Eustace King has been extremely misleading. In these statements, we talked about the Carnegie stuff, the Carnegie initiative since we recorded last came out and said, well, we haven't actually worked with Mitchell Miller. Um, I, 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 there was another organization that said they did meet with him and they did work with him. Again, we don't know what was court issued. There is this thing going around on Twitter saying it's a court document. I'm not going to say for sure what exactly that is because it's from random people on Twitter and I don't trust it, especially now that verification is a total mess. It's very hard to see. Yeah. What's um, but Eustace King and all of this, I, I, and again, in this interview, Daniel, I don't know if you've heard any of it, but he talks about like, ah, oh, well, in court of law, this happened and 25 hour community service. It felt very lawyer speak where it felt emotionally like death. 
Yeah, I, I don't know how we're in a scenario where in all this Gary Bettman has sounded the most human of all the executives involved. That's how bad this is. Yeah. And okay, listen, there's two things I'd like to point out here. We're getting a lot of new information the last few days regarding Mitchell Miller, regarding he didn't apologize. You know, it's very spotty that we don't know what the real community service or the work he's been doing to be a better person. None of it's very really verified. We're getting different responses and it's kind of just in a way word vomit where we're getting the Bruin statements and first they said isolated incident and then now they're trying to wipe their hands clean from this. And listen, you had to like when we had this Mitchell Miller story going on the first time with the Coyotes, you had what two years mm-hmm. to verify any of this before you gave him a, a, a contract. You had that much time and it's just, you know, not, not from the journalist perspective, but an actual, just, you know, a hockey fan or an informed citizen looking at the news, you couldn't get any of these facts or verify with Isaiah's mother, for example, you know, the biggest thing you probably should have or verify with Isaiah in that last two years. Like, why am I hearing about this? Just, you know, it's Wednesday. It's not even the week's not even done. Two things, Daniel. First off, don't forget the Bruins spent time with Isaiah. Uh, so mm-hmm. not Isaiah, with Mitchell Miller. I can't remember if they said it was a few weeks or a few months. I think it was a few weeks. Like, they even had him in the city. So you didn't sort of push it that time. And again, you mentioned we knew it wasn't an isolated incident when the Coyote stuff happened. Yeah. You call, and again, what the HDA has really think, like really pushed and what Isaiah in his statement has pushed is – Again, it's the racist part of this is everyone talks about the lollipop incident. I think that's easily the sort of the most heart wrenching one, some details of it. But then when you hear Mitchell, sorry, oh, crap. But then you sort of hear Isaiah's statement there and you see all the names he was called and then the way he was treated. And then it just when you again, we don't have a face to it, but when you have the voice, when you have the person's words, remember how, how powerful it was when Kyle Beach came out and did that interview? Mm-hmm. remember how insane it was and sort of how I remember watching it I, I remember we were in a zoom call all together we postponed before recording the podcast because the interview was happening I remember quite cr- cr- crying listening to it um and sort of I, I I just I don't get how the Bruins just they thought they were going to get away with it and, and sort of and Mitchell Miller who at the at all of this so he did apologize right he he did he did Two weeks ago. Two yeah. weeks ago. Because he knew then, he was going to get signed. And on top of that, you sort of go to the part of, of the Bruins made him probably in order to, you know, it was probably a thing of you have to apologize. Like, it's a child. Like, ah, if you want to go to McDonald's, you have to behave type of thing. Um, And the apology, he lied to Isaiah. It's not hockey related. Yes, it was. That's the worst part about this. And... and I just I'm getting more and more angry with Eustace Kidd at the same time too, right? Because it feels like he's an enabler in all of this. He just wants the contract was, to go through. If you don't want him to say, ah, ah, you know, he's not lying. Well, if he's not lying, he's misle- He's being very like he's it's misinformation. Like that's going to ruin his reputation. I don't yeah, know his exact client list and everything, and where his agency is in the grand scheme of things. But that's irreversible damage. Yeah, I agree. I think I don't know. It's just when we've mentioned already, it's it's like a soft surface level PR move they tried to do, but they didn't get enough of the crucial facts before actually trying it. So that's just the, the craziest thing for me. And the one thing I did like with the HDA is with Isaiah's statement, with him finally able to, you know, to say his own side of the story of what's going on be- with all of this, it just cuts through all the BS. And yeah. I think that's what was needed, that we get his side of the story. We know what's going on. We just don't get these half these half ideas or these half answers anymore. And that's something that we did need to really understand, okay, this is the story. And again, like going back to my other point, that it just showed that the Bruins, they what did they what were they doing? If they had Mitchell Miller for weeks, 
wouldn't you want to ask them, hey, you know, to save face, maybe just for the organization, maybe you should answer the most crucial questions that are surrounding you as a player, as a as you were as a prospect in 2020. You know what I wonder, Daniel, is, you know what, when you read um, Isaiah's statement, it's more than just sort of, it's nice to have his side of it and his voice attached to it, but it just sort of hit me. It's also very sad because he's clearly not want to come public. Otherwise, he probably would have years ago when uh, Mitchell was first drafted. He's obviously not. We know he's not a public figure in all of this. He's probably wanted to. I believe so. Like it said, like he moved to Detroit and he even has a kid now. Like he probably wants to move on with his life. And everything here is just sort of it, it's bubbled to the surface to a point where he has felt the need to make a statement. Like that is kind of heartbreaking to hear. And I wonder, I really do, Daniel, if maybe Miller's camp didn't think he would ever say something. Because otherwise, I don't know why you would spread, call it lies or like misinformation like that. I wonder if they sort of gambled on the fact that he wasn't going to say anything. I really do. Because, again, in that Eustace thing interview... He mentions the thing of, oh, Isaiah's working, and and if he wanted to meet all oh, him and Mitchell, we're going to meet up, but oh, Isaiah's job would be late in the hours of the day. And stuff you're listening to, it's like, crap, man, make it work. It's been all these years. Stop making, like, these, these sound like excuses. And then it's just sort of like, it, I'm getting angry thinking about it. Yeah. Like, I, how much of this is really crap? Like, if if he is saying, wow, in this statement, I didn't want to be his friend, and I don't blame him, who would want to be? But with, how stupid is it that like that Miller would be like, let's be friends after all of this? That's messed up. That's how? just so messed up. Oh. And like, it, it is, we know this was a pattern of behavior. So for this to drag out again, Isaiah saying that people are messaging him on social media. He's just reliving the trauma right now. And, you know, it was already horrible for the Bruins. And, in my opinion, it's just going to get worse for them. So here's what's what's going on to the part about the contract. So apparently, technically, Mitchell Miller is still a Bruin. Yeah, legally. Cause so he's going to get paid probably. So he has a signing bonus. So he's probably been paid that. So, and I, for the love of me, I think this was on Insider Trading. I can't remember which TSM reporter said it, but it was on Insider Trading. And they talked about maybe they would have to buy him out in the offseason because they can't technically terminate the contract because what the PA would say is, hey there, what technically changed between giving him the contract on Friday to Monday? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, obviously, Daniel, we can sit here and obviously, like, that's the sort of, and the president that the PA would argue beside the fact they would have to represent the player because it's the union would be, they also have to stop the idea that in the future, the NHL can just void a contract for no discernible reason. Now, again, like I am not last, remember last week I thought and said, shut up the PA. Like we don't, I get it's your job, but it still made me gross to see how quickly they responded to this. But because of that, <laughs> the Bruins are probably going to have to buy it out, which is he's going to get a significant amount of money. Yeah. Um, they're going to be affected because there's going to be a cap hit to it. Um, it's just, I don't know how Don Sweeney or Cam Neely survived this job-wise. I don't know how there isn't pressure put on to, to make this change. Honestly, it's, there's going to be the pressure. And I hate to say this. I really hate to say this. But if the Bruins keep playing like they're playing, they're keeping their jobs. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And Charlie McAvoy is coming back. Yeah, I expected to play tomorrow. You're right. I just like my brother, who isn't the biggest hockey fan, obviously was texting me. He's like, you know, what, what would a, what, he was like going about like this player? This he's like, what would the coach say? And like, God, he didn't ask the coach, Scott. He's like, I oh, what about the players? I'm like, yeah, the players like stood out. It was like, uh, it was like explaining to someone who's not sort of in tune with the league just how mm-hmm. crazy this whole situation is. It's crazy. We're in tune. I think we're in tune. With the league, and we got what half of the uh, yep. half of the information that that's actually crucial to what's mm-hmm. going on. So, listen, we 
were very vocal on this podcast about how the media were covering the stuff around um, around Kyle Beach at the time. I like Elliot Friedman. You know that. I think all three of us. Yeah, know. we we like him. After the Kyle Beach stuff, he said he was going to make a better effort to sort of cover this up because he is the hockey insider, the hockey reporter, right? Yeah. He had that tweet about how he thought the Bruins had done their homework here. Clearly, they have it. No. Um, and on the Merrick show, we had this thing of I don't want to relive the past when talking about Mitchell Miller and all that. Uh, I think he, and instead of like releasing a 32 Thoughts podcast, they released an interview with Patrice Bergeron today. I think Elliot needs to, like, listen, I think you got to expect more from a guy like him. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for a reporter like that and what he's accomplished, but man, like, you. It just, I don't want to say he's on Mitchell Miller's side. I don't think anyone here is, except his family. But I just don't think it's a great look for what should be one of the most trusted people in hockey right now. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to say that there are several, several amazing hockey journalists out there that I think everyone should check out. But sometimes for the diehard fans, the casual fans, it's Elliot who you think about as the insider who who gets everything like we we've gone to 32 thoughts yeah. two three times yeah and he has an Im- insane amount of information what's going on around the league so to kind of just give that blanket statement that very lukewarm type of thing it was it was upsetting too because it just kind of leaves you at okay this is happening and there's not really like a sense of, okay, let's do better next time. It's just more of like, I'm not saying like he said it. It just, it just felt like, all right, you know, it, that's hockey for you. What are you going to do? Ah, it's just, um, more needs to be done. More needs to be done. Like, I hope he recognizes that. Um, but like, like, come on, Elliot, come on, man. Like, and he's talked about, cause obviously Elliot Friedman is Jewish. And I remember on the 32 Thoughts podcast before, he's mentioned some of the horrible sort of DMs he's gotten. Like, he had someone apparently message him saying, like, I wish, like, your family had died in the Holocaust, right? Like, that's awful, right? Like, I hope he sees what Isaiah is saying and, and, and or sees what Isaiah is saying, like, getting right now and comes. I'm not saying Elliot Freeman is, like, the level of Mitchell Miller or the Bruins here, but, like, I hope he sort of sees that and sort of says something about it. Again, like, listen, like, come on, Elliot. You're the you're the man. Like, come on, like, come on now, Elliot. Um, I don't think what this is, you know, nearly over this story. Dan. No, not at all. Um, but um, hold on a minute. Um, this is something that Alex mentioned in the group chat that I took a screenshot of, and so I wanted to mention here. He's not here, but um, he just he put in the group chat. When we talk about Mitchell Miller stuff next episode, one thing I think we should note is how the players react to this signing compared to the Kyle Beats incidents and how the Blackhawks did it, Bruins players showing how to be actual leaders. You remember at the time, Jonathan Taves was like, ah, remember all the, half the Blackhawks were like, I don't remember that, except like two of them that weren't in the league anymore, saying like, "Uh, yeah, everyone knew. Meanwhile, the Bruins were just like, they were playing Karma Police the day after Miller was released, which was like, like power move. Like, I I I think at the end of the day we I like I have a lot more respect for that Bruins locker room. Yeah. Um. Again, like obviously, like Patrice Bergeron, like like how can you not like that guy even more now, right? He he's the guy who's always been thought of as such a high character dude, but like he really I think showed in all of this that he's just sort of on and off the ice. He is like even Brad Marchand talking about it too. Nick Foligno. Uh, again, how do you? come out of situation making Brad Marchand look like the best dude ever. And of course, like, again, on the ice, Brad Marchand is one of the least likable players in the league. And you have, I, I don't know, I've never seen such a divide between players in a locker room. It's like the players and like uh, management before like this, but all credit to the Bruins because there were so many times in hockey where players are just like, like, remember when Evander Kane was uh, brought in and then McDavid had like nothing to say about it. And even yeah. the Hockey Canada stuff, McDavid had really tone-deaf comments about it. Or um, even um, during his time in Chicago, 
Duncan Keith, and then oh. when he went to Edmonton, remember he oh. was always viewed as the coach's defenseman. Like he was that the guy, mm-hmm. and he apologized when he got to Edmonton and said that, like he misspoke about knowing what was going on. Remember, he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to get interviewed." Well, then call them Duncan. <laughs> That was brew. I forgot about Duncan Keith, but um, I wanted to uh, mention that um, because Alex, I think, was a really good. Point a good point. Mention, Thanks, so. Alex. Um, uh, so, yeah, it it is true because it is the leadership groups between each one where the ones that speak out. You had Jonathan Taves, you had Duncan Keith on one side, and then you had Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand on another. Mm-hmm. And nice. you know the contrast there. Uh, credit to Debrincat, though, at the time he was a Blackhawk, and he said it was the right decision, so I will give credit mm-hmm. to him. And Nick Foligno with the Bruins, too. He was another really uh, guy really, really talking about it. Um, and at the end of it, let's just, um, again, finish the way we started and say, like, it's it's horrible for Isaiah and all of this, and I hope that eventually when this is put to bed that he can move on mm-hmm. because, like, like listen... <laughs> Right now, I mean, like, it's if he lives in Detroit, that's obviously a pretty important hockey market. Mm-hmm. So he's going to see this kind of stuff around. Um, and I can only imagine, like, like twenty one. It really hit me, like, like that's he's younger than Alex. Now mm. again, I'm only a year older than Alex, but like, it's 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 really crazy to think just how young he is and just sort of how much he's gone through. I can only imagine sort of. Like, just when he talks about those DMs, just how much he's going. Through. It's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're the people sending that stuff, uh, get, like, get help. Like, there's something wrong with you. There's something yeah. wrong. You're, um, like, again, if there's stuff you want to fix on Twitter in that, uh, fix that, please. Okay. Um, again, most important story that we have to talk about. And now we go to sort of the world of hockey. Um but I will. Um, I was gonna wait until we talk about the lease, but I feel like we should talk about it now. Uh, so this is from uh, Gold Star Hockey, specifically from Dan Milstein. Um, Rodion Amirov, lease prospect, has returned home and is with his family. This is uh, from his Twitter account. Unfortunately, at the moment, Rodion cannot train, and he as he is going uh, additional treatments. Um, we would like to thank the Leafs and Salat Yulev UFA. I don't. I think that's his Russian team. Sorry, I can't pronounce that. Yes, KHL team. For their incredible support and willingness to do everything necessary for Rodion's comfort, so it looks like treatment with his, uh, with his, I believe it's uh, is the form of brain cancer. Yeah. Um. So, which is just a, uh, uh, well wishes to Rodion. I don't know if we mentioned it at the start of the season, but when they specifically had him on the bench, the Leafs, I mean, for the home opener and gave him a little moment, I thought that was really really sweet of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, talented guy. Um, but you know, let's just hope he can get healthy first always. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully he comes back and he's an incredible hockey player with a great career. Um, but yeah, primarily get yourself better, my man. We're all rooting for you. Uh, I can't say a certain word before cancer, but F cancer. Um, I remember before we were on voice ed and we could swear. Go listen to those yes. episodes. Cause but I we love voice ed. Yeah, we do love voice ed. Uh, great platform for the show. As we'd say. Um, but some fun stuff, Daniel, to sort of go around here. Uh, first off, the Sens did lose last night. It was getting a little heated. Um, there were fired DJ chants. Mm-hmm. However, Ryan Reynolds was at the game. They introduced him to the crowd. <laughs> he got a standing ovation. There was a by our team chant. So beside this, he was on the Tonight Show, I think is what it's called, with Jimmy Fallon. Yes. Is that Kimmel? Jimmy. <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> I'm not. I don't watch late night stuff. And he was very open about the fact that he wants to buy the Sens. And he mentioned like it's very expensive and he joked he needs a sugar daddy or sugar, sugar mama to buy the team. Um, But man, whoever ends up buying this team, I hope they bring him in at some sort of minority form. Because uh, mm. God, he would be great for the PR of that team, wouldn't he? Yeah, I'd like to confirm it is the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. There are people who are going to be listening to this saying, "You idiots! How do you not know that?" <laughs> Sorry, we don't. We, we don't stay it's not that our late. Group. Up. It's not us. Um, it's not anime, so I don't care. I wanted to ask this when Alex is here, but 
for me, the way this has been going on, I by the way, I love the the, the Deadpool head on the Sens logo. Everyone's been editing. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it looks good. I, I don't know. I was about to ask you guys, like, how much would you like to bet he already bought the team and just having fun with it, with the speculation? Like, well, this like- is how I feel going on. He's embracing it like crazy. He's going on the Tonight Show talking about it. I feel it's like crazy. I, I, I don't feel they'd be able to keep that a secret. Well, yeah. Like, listen, I think we, we would know who the conglomerate, I can't say that word. Conglomerate? Yeah, that we would. I think we would know again. He's not rich enough to buy it, so I no. think we would know the big stakes and the guys involved. And is it Marshawn Marshawn Lynch who has minority stake in the for the Kraken? Like they brought him in just to be like, ah, like listen, I'm sure yeah. they'll throw in like what is it, ten or twenty mil to be like part of it. But like, listen, if you buy that team and you don't bring him on, I just don't know what you're doing because just imagine having Ryan Reynolds on. Yeah, perfect, you know, perfect media right there. You're not even paying for anything yet. He's just there. He can bring Blake Lively to the games and it's going to be great. Uh, You ever seen The Shallows, by the way? I did not. Great movie. Great Great movie. movie? Okay, I'll add it to the list. It's absurd. Just, you know, like what a great couple they are, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just, and, like, I love their Instagram posts. Two obnoxiously attractive people. There's no justice in the world. It's just there's no justice. Um, are we worried? So Nikita Zaitsev got waived. Did you see that? That one too. And Magnus Helberg, who I mean, he was just there until uh, Talbot came back. Anyway, I always found it crazy. So if you look back to 2011, yeah, he was the first goalie drafted. He was the first pick right before John Gibson. Oh, Ooh, who drafted him? Nashville. Oh, God, who cares? Then? Yeah, oh, and who did they settle for? Some bum named UC Soros. Yes, boy. <laughs> so I think... They didn't they- have a good game last night, though. Yeah, well, I, mean, I don't think we've talked about the Preds enough. I don't think they've been awful. Again, I don't really pay too much. Bit of a level down. Endings. I mean, they were kind of whatever last year. I think tempered expectations now. I think... The way we're seeing Ottawa, it's like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We know that for Nashville, a hot season last year, and then for Ottawa, a great off season. But for me, I'm just trying to curb the expectations right now of what both teams can do. I mean, to be fair, the Preds did get swept. They did. I mean, I was hot. I'm hot on them still. Mm -hmm. But we Yossi for fantasy to do well. We kept talking about the return of Matt Duchesne. I mean... uh... Uh, by the way, when it comes to fantasy, how are you doing? Uh, right now, I am three and one. That's not bad. I am. Pardon? That's not bad. Yes, I am currently facing PD Revenge season. I think that's Scott Dawson. It is. Yes. Shout out Scott Dawson. Um, so I'm yeah, you're killing. winning one thirty point five to sixty eight. Very good. Very good. Let's see. Oh my goodness! And, and Donald's getting murdered by our good friend Mike. I'm up to 500. I'm happy. I'm up to 500, and I'm beating Will Baldwin, friend of the show, by 15 points right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made a lot of change. I want to go back and compare my team to the start to the finish. By the way, Daniel, you had goalie problems. You dropped John Gibson, and now who's your goalie, by the way? It is Linus Allmark, who is ranked number one right now. Yeah. I don't. Th- was he a free agent? Yes, he was. No one selected him. How did him. we let that happen? <laughs> How did we let that happen? So minor Vanacek. I picked up Vitek Vanacek. I had Bennington. Didn't last long. Then I picked up Stuart Skinner. Didn't last long. And somehow Vitek. Yesterday, I sat Jacob Markstrom. I sat him. And luckily, Vanacek got the win. I was shocked. I was like, I, I'm like, I, seriously, I went between Vanacek and Markstrom. Like, who do I have better faith in? Mm-hmm. I think goalie wins, man. And what's wow. good is if McAvoy is coming back, I finally get to put him on the team. And my Marchand McAvoy bets are going to work. They will. Oh, I'm happy. But now I got to figure out which D I'm going to drop. It's probably going to be Spurgeon or Orlov. All right, let me know. Probably Um, Spurgeon. I'm getting breakout performances lately from players that I didn't expect to. Evgeny Kuznetsov got me 30 points in one night. Well, was that the other day? Was that the Oilers game? Yeah, it was two goals, two assists. Yeah, that was like nine shots on goal. Like nine shots on goal. That was a fantastic game from the from the Cavs, by the way. Uh, do you want Robert Thomas? Because he has been a disappointment. <laughs> Maybe. We'll talk about it. All right. If you need a center, let me know. But I, um, he's, he's, he's going to be gone soon. I'm, I'm very worried. 
shout um, out Brandon Montour because Aaron Ekblad is out. That guy is playing like 30 minutes a game. I th- I think, you know, Daniel, I'm thinking that I need to get rid of, um, God, who was it? I just completely lost track of who I'm talking about. I think I'm going to drop Bunting because he got taken out of the top six. Oh, yeah, he's in the third line now. Which is very upsetting. But like, it's like, this is like the third time I've picked him up too. Ooh, you know what, Daniel? Should I get, I'm looking right now. We're going to make mm-hmm. a live decision here. Should hey. I pick up Chandler Stevenson or Andre Burakovsky? Okay, let me check. Um, do you need another center, or you're you're good with just wingers? So, God, who am I? Who am I dropping again? Um, Bunting. We'll see, because Stevenson is listed as a center and both wings. He's like listed as everything except the angle. <laughs> yeah. So, and he he's decent with the hits. I think I'm gonna pick up Chandler Stevenson, Daniel. Yeah. We're gonna Plus do that two. breaking yep. right now on the show. Breaking. Michael Bunting. Is gone if I can find his name. My this is the second time I'm actually dropping him. By the way, also usage because he's getting more minutes than Andre Barakowski by almost three minutes. Good. Is Stevenson playing tonight? No, he's not. Okay, cool. Next game for him is tomorrow. It's Buffalo. okay. Very good. Do you did the notification go through? I don't have my notifications. Oh, here it is. Yeah, sitting. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For those of you who don't care about fantasy, oh, sorry, but we have to talk about it. Okay. There we go. Um, you know who does that a lot? Like when there's a fantasy thing of who they drop, Mike always does it. I saw the thing of Jonathan Taves is rising, and then an hour later he picked him up. Anyway, um, Chris Neal is getting his number retired by the Sens, Daniel. Yes. The franchise leader in uh, penalty minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quickly get up the rest <clears throat> and probably here. yells from the bench. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't really know, uh, how do we describe Chris Neal? So his career high is 33 points. And his also that year, he had 16 goals. Pretty good year from Chris Neal. Um, but his total career, he did 250 points, 112 goals in a thousand games. Um so he's not exactly what you would expect to be a retired number. Now, you may be shocked to hear this. I'm okay with this. Now, obviously, I did not like the idea of Dustin Brown getting a statue. So you think I'd be more protected over, protective over, you know, jersey retirements? But I saw the video of him finding out, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And apparently he did a lot of stuff in the community and that. So you know what? In my old age, Daniel, with the grays coming down in my hair, I think it's fair to say I'm okay with it. And I'm happy for him. You know, I'm actually okay with it too. Because a big thing we always talk about on the podcast is Ottawa's trying to reconnect with their community. Yes. Trying to find a way to have a downtown arena, try to regain their trust and hope in this rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it right now. And Chris Neal is a perfect example of that. He transcended different eras, different GMs, different coaches with Ottawa. And I think there was like that correlation of when he eventually did retire. That's when we started to see a bit of a dark age for the Sens. I think he was there for the last hurrah for them trying to make it to the finals. I remember this is my one specific Memory of Chris Neal. It's a video I think I could send it to you after. It's from a Hockey Night in Canada 2013 uh, montage like to end the playoffs. And he just screams, let me see how tough you are in Ottawa. Because at the time, you knew that that was going to be an electric crowd, an electric home crowd. It was against the Penguins in the second round. And I remember that devastating hit he had on um, James Neal, I believe. And I think, yeah, like that's what Chris Neal really represented with Ottawa and to have him celebrated here. I think it's just a perfect thing to show that, Hey, like, look, we're celebrating the older guys. They're coming back. And we want to understand, we want to show the type of guy that we want to celebrate who did a lot for the community. You know, what's really funny. Um, He played in the MWJHL and he played for the Orangeville crushers. I don't know what league that is, but seeing that he played for a team in Orangeville, um, I like him a lot. He won you uh, over. Yeah. You know, they just <laughs> need to get Daniel Robertson back involved now, and then they're good. I think increments. They're going to go with the role players. <laughs> they're going to get to the star guys eventually. 
coming you know back. Who's, who's another guy I think once he retires, they'd like to bring back probably? Eric Carlson. They, yeah. they need to mend that fence, like, eventually, too. Um, like, really, really badly. Um, okay. You think, okay, this is just one thing. Because I know that segment was based on Chris Neal or focused on him. But do you think Eric Carlson would accept coming back to Ottawa now the way things are and the way they're built? So we're just going to ignore, obviously, the the, the, the cap hit. And yeah, the, yeah. Trade, just the pure thing of would he go back to Ottawa? Mm-hmm. Like, has enough changed and has enough time gone by? That's a good question. I'd like to think, because I think his heart was always there. Yeah. Which means a lot. Like, he wants to win. And listen, I think there's enough there with the Sens. They're getting really unlucky with Josh Norris and that. But is there enough young talent there? I think he would. Yeah. He would mean a lot to his family and that, too. Isn't his wife from Ottawa? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I would really like to see it. I think he would. I think he'd make it work. Like, what do you do? Um, like he obviously he doesn't want to be on a rebuilder, but the Sens aren't rebuilding anymore. See it this way, okay? San Jose retains fifty percent. <clears throat> so it's like, oh, Jesus Christ! So it's like, would it be like six point? It would be around like no, it would yeah. be five and something because it's yeah. eleven point five. So it'd be less than his cap hit than when he was a Sun. Yeah, and then. <clears throat> you send, I don't know, the Nikita Zaitsev or And then a lot of picks to make a it. lot of picks to make it Tyler Boucher. Yes. To make it work. You would it would be a lot. It would be a it would be a very wild deal. Again, I mentioned it the other like last episode. I'm like, I would like to see it. I think it could happen. They need a D. Now I think you probably want a more defensive minded D than Eric Carlson. But I, I would really like to see it. I think mm-hmm. it, it's something that should happen. One day. It'd be a great story. Great story for the city. Um, Vander Kane, a very, very scary situation. Um, I can't. I don't like watching that video. Yeah. So in the Oilers game last night, it looked like he. Well, I mean, skate plus wrist. Um, it's scary. Uh, the Oilers have said he's expected to miss three to four months from it. Uh Obviously, we have um, not been shy in talking about Evander Kane's history. I still don't like the dude, and I don't think he should be in the NHL. However, we are human here, and I don't think you... And again, he has a very young family. He has kids, and the last thing I want is for a kid to lose their parents. Scary situation. I know a lot of people were making stuff of his ex-wife putting some stuff out there. Um I, I still, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to another human being, even though I may not like the person. Um, but, like, that was... I, I always say when we have those sort of skate... Like, I don't, I don't... What's the word? Freak accidents? Yeah. It's amazing it doesn't happen more often. Like, we think of, like, how close Trey Lekkonen was to completely... Was it... What, no, was it Nick Letty? Who was the Islanders' defense? Was it Johnny Boychuk? Who oh, like yeah, just yeah. crazed with his skate on the eye by accident? It's amazing, sort of how often we actually, you know, or sort of how rarely we actually see skate incidents like this. There was a really gruesome one I remember with Montreal, I believe, if it was still there. But Richard Zednick. Yes, yes. That one, I like when I was a kid. I, I, I it was so hard for me to watch that video. It's just, um, oh, you know, it's another one. This wasn't a skate incident. Do you remember the Eric Griba hit on Lars Eller? Oh yeah. Oh, that was a lot of blood too. That was a that was a gruesome one. Um, I loved Lars Eller as a hab. You know, I was I was Jersey. There was wow. another one. Well, it was a puck to the face. I remember it was when Marion Hosa had the the colored visor. I think it was against the Leafs. He got a puck to the face, and then the visor shattered. Oh. And then he was holding his face. I know I'm on audio, but he was holding his face. Yeah. And then as he was like kind of like sliding after the hit, you could just see like a trail of blood. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Okay. Uh, some stuff. Just keep going here. Uh, but yeah. Jesus Christ. We so, wish Ed Vander Kane, yeah. you know, a rest, yeah. like a speedy recovery. Yeah. Um. So apparently Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are in Winnipeg. I have no idea why. Apparently they're in okay. Winnipeg. And so uh, Kevin Weeb, Weeps of uh, Sportsnet put up this little article. I just wanted to mention this point, Daniel. Um, so Bill Daly was asked how the Miller situation, Mitchell Miller, 
might affect, uh, sorry, sorry, might differ from that of Montreal Canadiens defensive prospect Logan May. Uh, yeah, it was brought up a lot, yeah. Uh, who was charged in Sweden for sending sexually explicit photos without the consent of his partner before the NHL draft daily provided a bit of a revelation. Where I keep going, I don't know if you can call them partners. I don't know if they were. Anyway, um, it's just uh, that's the only time I've, I've seen them referred to as partners. Uh, quote, and this is daily. I think we've been clear with Logan Mayu. He's not eligible to play in our league now either, uh, said Daly. So Montreal has made a decision with respect to Logan. Boston made a decision with respect to Miller. But neither player would be eligible without clearing with us uh, at the time their ability and eligibility to play in the league added. Bettman and both clubs were advised about that. So, first off, um, we'll see how Stan Pat they are on that. Um, but I mean, good on the league for actually sort of making a stand. That, I'm pretty that's surprised very to be quiet. honest. Yeah, yeah. that's. The thing. I wonder if that's. I haven't seen that reported on before today. I wonder if that's a new thing. I do wonder again what the PA again. I don't want Logan Mayu as a hat. I, I I cannot emphasize that enough. I don't think he deserves it. Again, second chance is short. It shouldn't be with an NHL team. I'll continue to say that. Um, I but I thought that very interesting. I wanted to mention that. So, again, does he push to make an NHL roster next year? A year from now, after, a year after that? Who knows? But I think that's that's an, a conversation that's going to happen. Uh, I always forget because, Logan, it's different because I know he was a first-round pick, yeah. and he was he told them, don't draft me. Yeah, he told the whole league. Yeah, first don't draft me. Listen. Yeah. I always just thought, like, what were the original projections on him? Because remember with Mitchell Miller, it was – Oh, we overlooked it because he was supposed to go in like the mid second round. Yeah. Like with like the mock drafts, where was Logan Mayu supposed to go? To be honest, Daniel, that was a draft I didn't pay a lot of attention to. I didn't even recognize his name. I I I, I when I heard Logan Mayu when I saw the, the 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 panel go very quiet, I'm like, what is this? And then I heard the but I remember seeing about this player who's betrayed himself from the draft. And then when they started explaining it, I went, Oh God, don't tell me you've actually gone and done this. Um, thanks, Bergevin. Thank you so much for leaving us with that. That's a, like to say that intent in that for keeping him around and giving him an ELC. I remember they mentioned because they needed a defenseman, and crazy thing is Nolan Allen was the next pick, and he's expected to make the real junior team this year. Daniel, as I have said, and I will never shut up about this. The video before the draft, I said they lost Kale Flurry in the expansion draft, and the same week they found out Shea Weber was never playing again. They needed the right-handed D, and they got one. That's my theory, and I will believe it till the day I die. <laughs> That's 100% what it was. And Bergevin had a history of drafting four positions in the first round. I.e. Esperi Kalkinian. I'm telling you that. I.e. Michael McCarron. Yes. Because they needed size. Oh, God, yeah. I just I will die on the hill that that's why they did it. 100%. Logan's I forget forget like even just the D thing. Logan Stan Coven was there. Remember yeah, that DM was. got late where he's like, Yeah, they chose the other Logan. It was like, oh god. Oh, you idiots. Uh, but talking about the Haps, I think they've been sort of they've been punching above their weight in the way of Caulfield, Suzuki, and Doc just score the hell out of it. Goalies save them, but they kind of get like killed defensively. So that's gonna even itself out eventually. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, so Matt Luff gets hurt um, after Uri, so he's out 10 to 12 weeks with surgery to do with an upper body injury. Um, this is from a Uri Slavkovsky hit that was very much like the Joss Anderson hit on Alex Petrangelo. Um, Anderson got two games. Same with Slavkovsky. Uh, again, both got games out of it, um, like throwing out five-minute majors. Completely agree with the hit. I thought it was very dangerous. Um, and he, it's the first time I've ever really seen Slavkovsky. Like, it's funny. He could, shouldn't say it's funny. He could have used more force, but he still should know that that size, that position. Um, and again, with the force he did use, that's such a dangerous and unnecessary hit to do. Yeah, it was an awkward, awkward place for Matt Luff to be in. And to use that amount of force on him when it's his, basically his head turned to him, I, I don't know. That's like we, we use it a lot, but that is a rookie rookie mistake. That was something that it was unnecessary for how the game was going and how that play was at the time. It was dirty. It was dirty. Yeah. It was especially when again you saw one of your teammates kind of pull the exact same hit. 
I, I'm surprised it was only two games because of the injury, maybe like first time offender and all that. Um, but but again, it, it's sort of like you know, you don't want to see that slab. This is because Rem Pitlick was weighed. I think it's pretty clear, like clear to say that Sapkowski's staying around for a while. Mm-hmm. Just to know on his development, though, I think he's been getting a lot better with his decision making. Which yeah, sometimes yeah. I feel like he'd be a little lost, but I, I do think you can see him getting better, um, which is good to see. Again, makes a good first pass and stuff like that. So let's just just does he finish the season? Does he finish the season with the Habs, or does he go for a few games? In the I ball? think they would love that. Like I mean, you just look at it again. They would rather have a difficult conversation with Rem Pitlick than send down slap. I I think that tells you all you need to know. By the way, uh, Mike Hoffman, two goals last night. I've never once said anything bad about him. And you no, can't, not at all. <laughs> can't prove it. You uh, just So fun fact, that was, Eric Angles tweeted this out. That was Montreal's first win of the season without a point in regulation from either Suzuki or Caulfield. That's now, crazy. they had both the shootout goals. Um, but uh, it's, you know what, Daniel? I actually think I took a screenshot of how much exactly before the Detroit game I can't find it, but it was exactly how much of Montreal's offense they were contributing. Sorry, contributing. Sorry, that didn't make sense, but you know what I mean. Contributing, um, yes. So it, it's it's actually um, it's going to figure out the rest of the roster. But if anyone had sort of any things of saying, oh, they're going to make the playoffs, uh, no, no, they're not going to do. You that. know what's reminding me of? I've just because it's a random stat I was looking at. You know when you go through the uh, the black hole of random stats. Or just uh things you like to look at if you're buying vintage merch, something oh, I personally do. Yeah, I'll um, do. Yes, you do. Yes, it's reminding me of the late '90s Mighty Ducks, where I think like more than sixty percent. I don't know if this is the right is the right number that I did say, but it was it is more than fifty. It was like sixty percent or or sixty five percent or more of the Ducks' offense came from Salani and Korea because they didn't fill in the team yet. <laughs> Now, you know, we can accept this from the Habs, obviously, because they are rebuilding. Um, but whenever Suzuki and Caulfield sort of projection, again, I, I, I think, you remember how um, Domino Sessions had that article about the 10 worst contracts? And he had Suzuki, I think, at nine. And he said himself in, in the article, uh, I expect this to be wrong. Um, but I think him and Jay Fresh have gotten a little, oh, excuse that. Oh, God, got to do my eye exercises in a second. But I think him and Jay Fresh have gotten a little sick and tired of Habs fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and they were going about a shooting percentage and whatnot. Um, what do you realistically sort of think for Nick Suzuki production-wise is is realistic? And also, let fans be happy. I'll Habs say be happy. he's going to finish with more than 75 points. So I think his career high is like 64 so I could see that again. He's going to get all the power play time with Cole as he wants, but I'll say seventy-eight points. His career high is sixty-one, by the way, and okay. he's at fifteen in uh, thirteen right now. What's your projection? Um, seventy is a good plateau to go. Mm-hmm. He could probably hit. I don't know if he like. I doubt he's he'll hit thirty goals. He's again. He's at eight, but that will cool down. Like if he can do like twenty-five in that. Like think of it. If Caulfield can pot forty. Then, like, I think it's it's safe to say Suzuki playing with him is gonna hit it. So, fun fact: remember how we talked about Kirby Doc being twenty one? Mm-hmm. Suzuki's the oldest member of that line at twenty three. <laughs> that's hilarious. He's twenty four in August. Like, that's hilarious. How young they are! By the way, shout out to Mike picking up Kirby Doc. He took my fantasy advice. He does. See, he listens. He does. Um, game against the Canucks. It's in half an hour. What are you expecting? Both teams back-to-back um, in Montreal. I think Vancouver is going to take a 4-1 lead into the third, and they're going to lose 5-4 in overtime. <laughs> Who gets the overtime winner? Um, Why not Nick Suzuki? <laughs> why are you that scared of the Canucks right now? Or, or for them because they've been such a mess? I don't know. It just... Okay, you know, it was, it was not funny, but it was kind of comical. To see how many blown leads they were gonna have, but then it's become a bit of a norm. So it's funny. There's a there's a guy I know. Um, it was when I was at UFT. He's a huge Canucks fan, and he used to play. I think 
he used to play junior hockey, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he wore his Canucks jersey with his brother, I believe, at the Sens game last night. And I think his Instagram like caption was, waiting to see if they blow another lead. <laughs> and then, luckily, at least they beat Ottawa. They beat Ottawa. So, Jim Rutherford's bothering me here a bit. I don't think it's very good for you to constantly be taking public shots at your coach the way he's been doing with Bruce Boudreaux. If you want to fire him, hurry up and do it. What message is he sending to the locker room? Is he sending to Bruce Boudreaux, who was really funny when he's like, yeah, I've seen this all before. It's going to be part of a book I'm not going to write. Oh, that was all-time quote. I I love love that one. I love that guy so much. (laughs) I just don't, I don't think it's at the end. I just don't think it's very professional from Jim Rutherford. And I don't know what Francesco Aquilini was saying, but if I own the team, I tell him to shut up. Now, I know he wasn't your coach, but he's the one you have. Again, like, listen, no offense, but a a defense core of Ekman Larson at this point in his career, Tyler Myers, Hughes is good, fair enough. Luke Shen, fine player. Ethan Bear, who I think was still sort of iffy on, and you know that. And Jack Rathbone, how exactly to you, and again, is Tucker Pullman and Travis Dermott really going to change that? How is that as your back end enough to be a competitive team? It's a lot of money, but yeah, that won't make you competitive in any way. And the quote about, yeah, so um, Bo Horvat, we'd like to keep him, but the way he's playing, we can get more for trading him. Oh my gosh. When, like, um... What is Horvat supposed to think of that? What do you do in your friends? This after, by the way, it's like, hey, you know what we're going to do this offseason? We're going to get some cap space. You know what we're going to do, though? We're going to sign JT Miller and Ilya Mikheyev. Like, shut up. What are you doing? What oh is your gosh. thought process? Maybe you did this in Pittsburgh. You can't do this in Vancouver. What the hell are you thinking? I just remember when everyone said, um, Jim Rutherford's thinking aloud. Yes. Literally, like, it's crazy when, like, if I'm Bo Horvat and I'm the captain. I'm seeing this thinking, am I really going to commit to this long term where the way the negotiations have been going, where, you know, if you're going to think that, don't say it to the media. I, I don't understand from a player perspective, why would you be there for the long haul of things, especially where I think I think Vancouver's had their chance. I'm not saying they're going to rebuild anyway, but I think they've had their chance with Bo Horvat to kind of show we can build a winner. And it's really not the case. Like, that's your Demko. Not sure what's going on there. Yeah, no, not a good search of the year. Daniel, they, they're choosing to dress Jack Stanika. He's boy. been a meme on this podcast for years. Was there waiting for him to break out? Uh, man, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen, man. Um, I just, I just don't. Ah, uh, Jim Rutherford's rubbing me the wrong way, man. I just don't, I don't like him. Uh, another matchup, man, they need to advertise better because I didn't know this was happening until you told me. Uh, there is nothing quite like seeing Ovechkin and Crosby play against each other. It's tonight. You pointed out to me, they both have 1,423 points. Yeah, which is insane. I, think, I, I, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone to say, man, they're good players, aren't, aren't they? Um... It's just sort of whenever we go on about like ah oh, the, the league's getting younger, it's just it's just let's just quickly look at their seasons. So Crosby's 14 points in 12 games. Ovechkin is at 13 points in 14 games, eight goals. Um by the way, Ovechkin has that 1423 in 1288 games. Uh Crosby has it in the 1120. So of course, significantly less games, but um you know what, Daniel? We're only going to see this matchup a couple more times in our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we got to appreciate it. Like, again, Crosby 35, Ovechkin 37. You see that play Ovi had where he nearly, like, brute force spun around and scored? <laughs> yeah. Man, he's so good. Uh, it's just, um, man, these are special. I, I'm like, going to miss these guys when they're gone. It's like a friendship rivalry, like a rivalry <laughs> kind of thing. Or- They've definitely come to respect each other. They yeah. used to back in the day, I remember they don't like each other. It's like a classic I don't know, it's like a classic, I don't know if like I, you know, we were both not born, but Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, where like they were the faces of the league for so long and they did help grow the game. It's just 
I don't know. Cause like, I'm thinking like, is there a counter, a McDavid counterpart? People would say Matthews, but what, what makes it so special with them is that they were in the same division and yeah. they for their, and the playoff matchups the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think McDavid quite has that yet. Um, I mean, who, who have been like, even McKinnon, like we can't even really, I, again, the problem is if you want to compare him to Matthews, who you could argue is the second best player behind McDavid, is having them on other sides of the conference. And it's not like they go at each other the way Ovechkin and Crosby have. Yeah, I just, I mean, who, yeah, who is McDavid's biggest pain in his butt? Nazem Kadri? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just sort of, um, it's a shame we don't have that. Yeah. Especially because it's not like McDavid's, you know, the zesties on the ice and lets his cock in Emmy's head with shoulder, but you know, oh. just me. Uh, or elbow, sorry. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be, I don't know. Yeah. Who? Yeah. It could have been Kachuk if he probably had stuck around. If he stuck around. Yeah. Go away. But I don't know. Maybe Nas can sort of fill that, even though the flames need to win some games and play some defense, which I didn't think we were going to say at the start of the year, but they were your cup winner, right? That, that was no, your pick? Alex. 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 Okay. Yeah. I don't remember who I even said was going to win the cup. I think I said Tampa, and then Mike called me out on that. Yeah? yeah. Uh, he does that to everyone. <laughs> uh, but people, watch Ovi and Sid, because they're amazing. Uh, to finish the Leafs, they come up short against the Vegas Golden Knights. That was pretty bad. Uh, well, so obviously, couldn't watch it, because watching mm-hmm. my team play. Even though I only watched the first two periods, because I went to bed because I had work today. So kind of I mean, okay, they got the lead. Yeah, and then they got gassed in the third. I saw that Riley had the shorthanded. Riley Smith had the shorthanded goal on. Yeah, that was a bad power play. They didn't really set it up too well. Got tired, and then I don't know, like what was going on. You know, in overtime, three on three. Like, why is the Marner Matthews Riley trio not working? Like, it hasn't worked. They've been on the ice for I quite a few of the overtime losses are you concerned that the Bruins game people were saying maybe the Bruins were a bit sort of thingy going on with Mitchell Miller the Canes game was the Shulgren show which who thought we'd say that are you concerned about the Leafs even though what is it technically a five game point streak right now four wins before that yeah true like there's not too much of a concern it's just not saying patchwork in a way but it just you know, they're hobbling with injuries, with, you know, finding the right matchups early in the season. They're still winning, but we're not seeing, you know what I mean? We're not seeing them at their full strength, I think. I don't like seeing Kerfoot on the top line. I'm kind of like, okay, great. It's nice to see Robertson back in the lineup, and maybe he should stay there, I've been seeing, but it's like, like, it's tough to see that Lilligren comes back, obviously, against the Bruins. The game, uh, and then last night's game, I saw he had a pair of goals, and then you lose. Like, yeah, you got You can't lose a game when you have a pair of goals from your defense. And even though the Sharks did lose when Carlson had a hat trick the other day, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt Murray is apparently skating. Yeah, could be. I think they said they're not ruling him out to play this weekend. Am I right? See, yeah, it might be the weekend game. So I think maybe Shalgren gets Pittsburgh. And who? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, they have been very bad. They, they haven't been good. <laughs> yeah, they have not been great. Um, Jeff Petrie, how are you? Um, but Ilya Samsonov is week to week, which I always say is the worst thing to hear about an injury. because mm-hmm. He wasn't at practice. So, a couple weeks, probably. Um, will, Shaw, will Murray and Samsonov play more than one game as a 10 with one of them on the bench? It's been what? One Wait, it's only been one game. Yeah, it's only been one, the first game. Yeah. Go Habs go. Big win that game. I remember that was fun. That was mm-hmm. fun. Um, anything on the Leafs you want to mention quickly? It's just, again, I know you I, you want to talk about Carolina. I'm like, ah, it's been too long. But, I mean. I mean, that was a solid win. Go ahead. You know, we curbed Frederick Anderson's revenge. So, I think that was a good game. You know, you beat another contender. But I think the one thing is just, I don't think we mentioned it last game, but it was congrats to Keith Petruzzelli. Oh god, yeah, I got his contract. That's his initial contract. The video of him of it being announced to the Marley's locker room was really good. Mm-hmm. More of those, please. By the way, like, please, more of those. I love those. We saw it in the preseason with like who was it? Nashville said it to. Um, 
Cody Glass. Mm -hmm. I thought the Wild did it with Marco Rossi. Yeah. It's cool content. It is great. Like, I know, like, it's not the... I don't know it's not the hardest thing to show and it's not the longest thing. So it, but it, it adds you know it adds value to the fan experience that I really like. And again, that's what helps with the Chris Neal thing with the Suns. We got to yeah. see his reaction. Um Daniel, that does appear to be everything. Mm-hmm. Um fun show. Good show. Yeah, good show. Um I'm tired, my friend. I'm tired. It has been a long day for both of us. Yeah, my back hurts. I'm gonna feel that when I wake up tomorrow. Um, yeah, we gotta figure out a name for the show. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time when uh, it'll just be the two of us, which is you know Daniel. It'll be fun, uh, it'll Alex. Be fun. We'll miss you. Um, and until next time, we're gone. <laughs>